Sun Devil fans, it is a Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Sun Devils podcast. Today we have unfortunate news, ASU basketball lost to USC. Not many people were expecting that, but we're going to be breaking that down, kind of what went well, what went wrong. Then we're going to be talking about uh, NFL draft expert Mel Kuyper is pretty high on several ASU Sun Devils uh, that are going to be available in the upcoming NFL draft. Talking about where he ranks uh, and a little bit more in depth from there. You're listening to the Lockdown Sun Devils podcast. Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your hump day episode. I don't know if that's actually a title. We should make that. Uh, Richie, Richie, the, the music ended. The intro's done. We're, we're not dancing anymore. We're live in Boston. We are live. We are live on YouTube. Uh, speaking of which, we are available on multiple platforms, YouTube being one of them, uh, on the Odyssey app, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey app. If I didn't already say that, I might have already said that. Uh, but I'm one of your hosts, Connor Drios slash co-guide, uh, Richie Bradshaw. Uh, you can find both of us on Twitter uh, at our Twitter handles right here at Cdrios and at RichieBrads36. You can also follow our Locked on Sun Devils Twitter page at LO, uh, at LO underscore Sun Devils. Hey, uh, you forgot to specify that it's Richie Brads with a Z, 30 seconds. I, I normally do. I normally do. Just because, like, there's some people out there that might look that up and Richie Brads. That could be an S. It could be an S. Dude, I honestly have kind of thought about changing my handle to Richie Brads with a Z, 36. Like, just the whole thing spelt out. I mean. <laughs> there's, there's been serious thoughts in my head about doing that. I mean, maybe just like one day when you come in here to Locked on Sun, we'll just type it all out. It won't be visible on the screen because it'll go all the way off. But <laughs> I was going to uh, say, it's just like, it, it, it's toxic, honestly. It's a toxic trait of mine. Uh, Richie, breaking news. Okay. Uh, ASU did not win against USC, and they did not cover the spread. What are your thoughts on that? This just in. Crime in Gotham City. Unfortunately, this game went, I shouldn't say as expected because ASU got off to kind of a, a blistering start. They had a, a 12 and two run to start. And I think they were up, their biggest lead was 19 to eight. So they were up 11 points, 19 to eight. We were, were texting back and forth at that point saying like, Hey, can we end the game? I even texted our, our good friend, Donnie Drew. And I said, Hey man, like I, I know they're playing Texas tech over at ESPN, but this game's over. Like we're, we're done. Just keep playing Texas tech and uh, double overtime. Uh, and unfortunately, USC decided to start playing the second the cameras were rolling on them. So once the game actually went live elsewhere, USC just put it in a gear. Virginia, great way to start the game, especially with uh, without uh, um, their head coach, who, who is essentially suspended for this game. Uh, essentially, like a, a lot of mixed feelings going into it, especially coming off the, the bad loss against Stanford. Great way for ASU to start. It's kind of like a, almost the best case scenario for this game, but... USC essentially turned things around very, very fast after that. Yeah, unfortunately, Connor, it just turned into one of those situations where they just straight up got outplayed and outmuscled and outscored. And that turned into a very lopsided loss. Now, unfortunately, Connor, they went into halftime. They were only down seven points. They were playing so tough and so close. I don't know where the collapse came from because they they felt like that inspired team that I had touched on a little bit as like potentially maybe they start playing that inspired basketball that we were hoping that they could do. And it just didn't translate to the second half success. They gave up 47 points to USC in the second half alone. We just 
got absolutely yep. obliterated by USC. It felt like they could not miss their shots. They were shooting, what is that? 46% on their on their field goals. But Connor, they were shooting a whopping 45% from three. Like yep. at one just, point they uh I think to end it was the first half they made like seven of eight or something like that. Just something something stupid that just put them over the top, which yeah, at that we, point we like a lead. Yeah. Um they just well, what's the we used to uh, kind of saying in football, and it's kind of the same thing in basketball, like what beats perfect defense, right? Like the, the perfect throw from the quarterback. Kind of the same thing in basketball, like what beats the perfect defense, which ASU was playing very good defense. Regardless of USC's very cold start, uh, the, the the perfect way to beat that defense is essentially the perfect shot. And if you're taking shots from deep, there's only so much you can really do. Like you can try to get in somebody's face, but you don't want to foul like uh, Jalen Graham did to end the game against Stanford, right? Giving somebody at least three shots uh, on the free throw line. Not something right. you, you want to essentially be into. But it, you mentioned they were only down seven. That's true. They were only down seven, but that's after being up 11 in the first half alone. So Huge sway. Uh, USC went on a 16 and 0 run after the 19 and 8 uh, timeout, which I think there was like maybe seven, seven and a half left at that time, something like that. Uh, and then I think the overall run was like 21 to two after it was 19 to eight. It was so insane, it, Connor. Just yeah, it, we know USC can score the basketball. That oh, that course. is not a surprise. So for ASU to play very well, mm-hmm. uh, at least defensively early on, that's great. Did I expect them to fall off as much as they did, allowing 47 in the second half? No, definitely a, a big disappointment. So, and we've talked about this before. If your defense is playing well, but your offense cannot get back on the other side of the court and you're ruining the defensive effort and you can't score, it almost makes the defensive effort feel meaningless. Now, it's not true, right? So you're not letting the other team put up more points on you. But if you're struggling on, on one side of the court, it just it makes the other one, especially on uh, the defensive side, which I feel is just, it's really a high energy uh, aspect of the game, in my opinion. It's very hard, right? Uh, right. One key point that we had talked about going into this game, something we wanted to see, was ASU not shooting uh, above 50% from the, the field. That wasn't necessarily realistic. That was just a great game against Stanford. They ended up shooting about 30, uh, essentially less than like 34.5%, so a little bit closer to 34%, which is even under their average um, on the year. So not a great game in terms of efficiency for ASU. Uh, Three-point percentage, again, was down uh, essentially almost at 27%, about what it's been. The only thing they did right was make four or five free throws. I also want to call that out. They only had five free throw attempts again. What the heck? Like, I understand that not every game has to have a ton, uh, but in this case, USC had 19. So it, that's we're, we're not saying the, the same thing almost against Stanford as uh, the, the big discrepancy in free throw attempts is the reason they lost. ASU just totally got dismantled and embarrassed. Yeah, a hundred percent. So just touching on that real quick. I mean, like we, me and Connor aren't going to be the people who blame the refs every game. We're not going to be the people who cry for penalties. Like you only had five free throw attempts. That sucks. Obviously, we wish you got put on the line a little bit more, but it is what it is. You had other opportunities to score points and you didn't you didn't capitalize on them. You got a little too aggressive defensively and you put USC on the line 18 times. So it's just it, th- those little mistakes are going to add up very, very quickly. And unfortunately for Arizona State, this was one of those games that got out of hand really, really fast. And because of that, you had to play more aggressively defensively. You started committing more fouls, and you're trying to take these open shots. And USC is going to play off coverage. I mean, there's no reason for them to try and like really 
take away any kind of cushion that you have, especially when Arizona State is shooting as poorly and as coldly as they have been. So USC was in a perfect position, Connor. I think yep. that the free throw opportunities definitely reflect the fact that Arizona State felt hustled and that they were trying to do a little too much defensively against the Trojans. Yep. So uh, uh, another call, at least in a positive, Ryan Jackson kind of going back to his ways early on in the season where he's shooting a lot of shots. The difference is his efficiency with it. Eight of exactly. 18 overall, uh, which is something you would definitely take five of 12 from deep. So almost at 50% from three point range, uh, way above the average this season, definitely the best shooter on the night in terms of, of efficiency. Now he had 18 total shots and 21 points. Um, not bad. not necessarily an elite number, but overall was your leading score on the night. Richie, this was something you had called out before the podcast started. We only had four people put up points Four. disgusting. J- disgusting. Jalen Graham, DJ Horn, Marion Jackson, uh, and then Luther Muhammad off the bench. Uh, and while there were three players, um, on our bench alone, that didn't even attempt a shot. Uh, Jemiah Neal didn't make anything, uh, Bocci or sorry, uh, Bocci only attempted one shot. Alonzo Gaffney only attempted two shots. So it's not like essentially the rest of the team went oh for eight. Um, yeah, not necessarily a, a great, great statistic to be calling out there. I guess we did have three starters uh, in do- the double digit range, but when essentially the rest of the team is uh, Jalen Graham going seven for 14, DJ Horn five for 15, Marion Jackson eight for 18, a lot of them had the volume to get to the, the point total that they had. So, um, Richie, we're in this tough stretch. Right, we talked about uh, on the last, uh, I think, on Monday's episode of the podcast. They now have five games in a row against ranked opponents uh, that are, are like top twenty-five in the nation. This was game one, and they got destroyed. They do get some time off. Going uh, essentially, they they play Arizona next, but then they get USC again, then UCLA, and then Arizona. So, um. I think you took the over on the the half wins that they would get in the next five games. I so feel it's, confident it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's not happen. looking. It's not looking it's good. Looking so fine. Far. I still have a twenty five percent chance, Connor. Twenty five percent chance that we can get a win. There you have it. Um, not ASU's best game against USC. While they had played very well early on, they let USC way back in the game, way back. I mean, they were a doormat at the end of the, the, the first half, I should say, um, letting them have a seven-point lead after being up 11. Very disappointing. And the second half, they didn't even show up at all. So there are still some positives, I guess, to take away. Marion Jackson being a contributor once again is still something that this team needs, where it's not just Kamani Lawrence who didn't play or DJ Horn. Uh, DJ Horn also exited, I do want to call that out, with uh, an injury. He did come back. Um, where, where that's happened, I feel like a, a couple times this season. I, I never ended up finding out what that injury was, but uh, Horn ended up being back in the game, so they have time to figure things out, man. Um, they get Bobby Hurley back, they get to play against a tough Arizona team who arguably uh, obviously is the highly most highest ranked team as of right now. Uh, at the recording of this podcast, I know they take on uh, UCLA tonight, which is going to be a big game, so um, we'll, we'll see, man. I, ideally, they can. Just keep taking things to build away, right? Marion Jackson being a contributor, DJ Horn being who he is, um, and still playing tough defense. Hopefully, that's going to lead to wins because that that seems like the only options they have in a formula right now. It may not be enough pieces, but we'll, we'll see if that gets them to another win this season. Here's hoping, Connor, because unfortunately, that inspired basketball that we saw against Stanford and for the first half 
or most of the first half at least against USC seemingly went right out the window. So it just, this felt like the same team that we've been watching and it's very frustrating. The The only bright side to take out of this Connor is Marion Jackson is finally starting to put points up on the board. And it's not yep. like he's this overly efficient shooter right now. He's still shooting his shots and a lot of them aren't going in, but at least he's a lot more productive than he was at the start of the season. And, Right yeah. now, Arizona State needs that because they need any kind of consistent score right now because DJ Horn can't do it alone. And quite frankly, DJ Horn has definitely cooled off quite a bit. But unfortunately, Connor, it just it was one of those nights where the whole team didn't show up and they just completely fell apart. They gave up that lead and USC never looked back. There you have it. Let's go ahead and talk about some exciting, at least football news in a, a brighter aspect. Uh, we're going to be talking about Mel Kuyper, and he's highlighted several Arizona State Sun Devils essentially being top 10 on his rankings. That is not concrete to what other NFL teams think, but we'll be giving a, more thoughts to that uh, for the remainder of this podcast. Uh, but first, we have to talk to you about one of our friends over at GetUpside. Yeah, so check this guy. Check this out, guys. It's it's your boy, Richie Bradshaw, talking to you guys over at the Locked on Sun Devils fan base. I got this incredible app that everybody who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. Right now, my listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas they use every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot like myself are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get 25 cents per gallon or cash or more cash on your first tank. That's code SCORE. On get upside. Now we also have to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means making New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit, which let's be honest, it normally is for a lot of us, or at least eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bars in your plans. Built Bar is the number one protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and it might even be better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to those resolutions. Because it tastes so good, you're going to want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, uh, waxy, or even like a, a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might just be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? We're At this point, we're at the end of January. So some of you might be there now. If you are essentially failing some of your New Year's resolutions, you need to get protein bar into your, uh, sorry, built bar into your diet. They're essentially covered in 100% real chocolate. Uh, most of their bars contain 130 calories, only 4 grams of, net, uh, of sugar, uh, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compared to a candy bar, which usually is or has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with built bars. So whenever you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you're enjoying a delicious built bar, you can almost count it as a workout. 
So here's the deal. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 50% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 50% off at builtbar.com. Richie, let's get into it. I was definitely looking forward to this part of the podcast. We uh, essentially saw this yesterday and saying we had to bring this up to our Sun Devils listeners. Uh, a lot of people know who Mel Kuyper is. I guess before I say that, uh, again, thank you so much. So, some guy. But uh, thank you so much for making Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. Again, we are free and available on all platforms. Now, this Mel Kuyper guy that I was just talking about, uh, for, for you and I are who are, are essentially big, big draft nuts, you are more oh, so yes. the draft draft expert, at least of us two, you know, things uh, quite a bit more in depth, but I am just a draft enthusiast. I, I will be the first to say um, college football has become more and more of a favorite, um, essentially season of mine, um, as I do still love the NFL very, very much. You're welcome. But I'm, I'm, I'm starting to read mock drafts sooner. I'm starting to look at draft analysts sooner and seeing what their uh, opinions are. Now, opinions change throughout the season, right? A lot of guys who we thought were going to be great, maybe didn't end up being good. And some guys kind of came out of nowhere uh, and essentially have pulled off of themselves into a very high draft position. Uh, Mel Kuyper has highlighted four Arizona State Sun Devils uh, that we're going to talk about for the remainder of this podcast. Uh, we're going to kick this off first, I think, with one of our, our more exciting options in Rashad White. Rashad White currently sits as the number six overall draft eligible running back. Number six. Like, uh, it, While that may not sound like as big of a deal, like seriously, think about this big, big picture. There's a lot of big name running backs out there, especially that are going to be in the draft. A lot of people that had great years. Rashad White is sixth on his board. As I had mentioned towards the beginning of the podcast, that's not universal. Not everyone sees it that way, but there could be people out there that see him as even better than that, which gives me a lot of hope going into this draft season, Richie, that he's going to have a lot of hype and can get taken maybe even as like a late day two guy, maybe even early day three. 100%. So I got the list right in front of us. We were talking about this earlier. So Rashad White clocks in at number six. The five guys ahead of him, totally good with. You got, in, in order, Brees Hall from Iowa State, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, who was a Heisman finalist, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, and James Cook from Georgia. This puts Rashad White ahead of guys like Brian Robinson and Hassan Haskins and Kennedy Brooks. That's really really impressive and the thing that we all know about Rashad White and the world is going to soon find out is he's such a great dual threat because not only is yep. he a dynamic runner between the tackles and can take it outside every once in a while he catches the football and he does it really really well like as good as anybody else in this draft class I I would listen to an argument maybe I'm biased I'm, I don't know if you know this or not I might be a little biased but I would tell you that Rashad White has a legitimate claim to be the best receiving back in this class. I think the only guy I would listen ahead of him would be Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. But Rashad is just silky smooth. The way he creates when the ball is in his hands is phenomenal. He's got a nose for the end zone. It's not a wonder to us why dr the draft analysts are going to love him so much and why we believe the mm -hmm. NFL is going to love him a lot. But it still nonetheless is just so cool to see a guy like Rashad White so highly regarded in the draft community very early in the process. I mean, Connor, right now we're talking about him, like, who knows, maybe like a sixth-round pick, right? J just, Could be. Just, just being honest, because we thought Eno was a day-two pick, and Eno was barely drafted. So maybe maybe Rashad's like a sixth-round pick right now. By by the, the, the mid to end of April, when the draft is getting ready to kick off, he could be as high as like a third-round pick. 
we could be talking about him inside the top five, maybe even the top four running backs here. So super excited. And this is also for what it's worth. We talked about this earlier in uh, earlier in 2021 was Rashad White was actually on Mel Kuyper's preseason top five yep. list as his number five running, running back. So Kuyper has been high on Rashad White. And it's really awesome to see that he continues to be a huge advocate for Rashad White in this draft process. So here for it, Connor. So here for it. Definitely. So a lot of things are going to change between now and, and draft day, which is about three months away. It's April. It's late April. I don't remember the first day the draft starts, but the running back position has been a little bit devalued over the last couple of seasons, really like over the last five, because there's been several years where we've had several running backs being taken in the first, but last year was one with Najee Harris out of Alabama. Uh, the year before that, uh, I think was just Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's the very last pick, so barely made it. Uh, to the Chiefs the year before that was Josh Jacobs. So several years in a row, we're only seeing one running back go in the first round, if any. Um, and there's a lot of value to these guys being taken a little bit later. So wherever Rashad White goes, that does not define his value. And that's true of any draft prospect. I just, I really want to highlight for the running back position as a whole, because uh, as Richie had, had made an example out of it, Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin had a very great career here at ASU. Maybe didn't quite get the, uh, maybe the national attention that uh, Rashad White did. But uh, either way, uh, Eno Benjamin went rounds later than I thought. There's only seven. So, like, it's not like he went uh, fifth round instead of fourth, like maybe we thought he could. Uh, but I thought, Sean he was, White's, I thought he was a day two lock. I firmly believe he was a day two lock. And this just goes to show, like, our ability to uh, essentially scout talent, right? Um, I, I think I was telling my dad uh, during that draft, uh, he was either in the. He was either in the third or fourth round. Either way, clearly way too soon. It's probably in the third. Uh, that I said, like, hey, you know, it's here. We need a running back. I'm super interested. Didn't happen. I mean, now we got him with our seventh round pick. Um, but there you go. So, uh, Richie, you made a claim about uh, Rashad White potentially being the, the number one uh, receiving back in this group. So, even if he's not the best pure runner, even if he's not the best pure pass catcher in this group, he does both really well. Yes. Really, really well. So, very excited to, to be able, so for you, to be able to scout him at the Senior Bowl over the next week, week or so. Uh, so we're definitely going to be talking a little bit more about him in this podcast, but definitely looking forward to him. Now, let's talk about uh, one of our other favorite players. If you've been listening to us for, I don't know, the about ru roughly like 30 seconds or so. Um, the original mascot of Locked on Sun Devils, like the, the OG. In like 10 years, Connor, when this podcast is the number one Sun Devils podcast, like not just opinion. Like we just, we, we run a monopoly on Sun Devils yep. content. We're going to refer back. People are going to be like, Richie, Connor, who, who is your favorite guy? Like who kicked off the locked on Sun Devils? We're going to be like this, uh, this uh, a ASU legend, probably not a legend, but this ASU monster, Darian Butler, and everyone's going to be like, oh, are you talking about the Hall of Fame Baltimore Ravens and Arizona Cardinals linebacker Darian Butler? He he split his time 50-50 with the Cardinals and the and the Ravens. I was going to say, it wasn't like a Terrell Suggs thing where he came to us and was like, eh, I don't really feel like playing for you guys anymore. Um, and then went and, uh, went and played in the Super Bowl, right? Not that kind of no, thing. No, no, yeah, and, and wins it with the Chiefs of all of all teams. No, uh, Dar no. Darian Butler actually actually spends like his first five years in Baltimore, and then and then Baltimore is very sad to see him go, but he comes back home to Arizona and plays five more years there, and then he retires with 
uh, 10 Super Bowl rings. Like, it's just absolutely insane. It's a Rod Woodson deal. He, he was the, the playmaker with us, you know. But, exactly. but let's let's get to the list. And <laughs> Richie did make a call out before the podcast started, so keep this in mind as well. This is a list for top 10 inside linebackers. So that does not include the outside linebackers. But either way, still top 10 on, on this list, which is great. Devin Lloyd tops it, N'Kobe Dean, depending on who you talk to, those guys are going to be one and two. I think yeah, you're going to be very hard-pressed to find find anybody else who includes anybody in that top two category. But we'll see. Things happen, right? Players bust and others kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, third in this list is Christian Harris from Alabama. Uh, I might be messing this, this name up, Richie, so help me out. Uh, Damone Clark from Demon. LSU. It's just Damone. Damone Clark from LSU. Channing Tyndall from Georgia. Uh, Chad Muma from Wyoming, and then Darian Butler, number seven from Arizona State. So uh, any of these top 10 lists, it's going to be fierce competition. Fierce. Uh, but Darian Butler, we feel like at times, does not get maybe the, the national love that we feel like he should get. But at the same time, like there, there's so much that goes into to scouting a player, right? Uh, is it fair to say Darian Butler is a little bit smaller, maybe for like an inside linebacker in today's NFL? He seems to be... Uh, kind of on the, at least the, the lighter frame, correct? Yes. No. So, he, and, and that, that could be it. He's that modern linebacker build where he is like the like the six foot six one area, hovering around two thirty. Where uh, Connor, fifteen years ago, those guys don't play. Like you yep. better be a good, a darn good safety if you're going to be that small. Today, you almost want your linebacker to be built that way. The the Patrick Queens and the um, oh my God, what's his name? Um, uh, De- no, Devin White's a little bigger. No, you, you know what? Yeah, Devin Devin White. Uh, funny enough, dude, I'm gonna name a bunch of LSU guys. The Devin Whites, the Patrick Queens, the Deion Joneses of the world. They're all those modern linebacker where they're not the biggest guys, but they're fast, they're ferocious, sideline to sideline, very instinctive guys. Darian Butler fits that mold. Dude is stupid smart, stupid quick, sideline to sideline, doesn't miss very many tackles, and he's a playmaker, Connor. Three interceptions, two sacks this year. Like, there's a reason why we highlighted him almost every single week when we'd hand out game balls, when we would win games. And I I feel like we almost never had anything negative to say about Darian Butler. Nope, I I agree. So where Darian Butler's going to go, um, to me... I think he's the player that can range the most, in my opinion. I could see him being a little bit higher, but could totally see him being just uh, kind of like a, a sixth, seventh round pick just because he there, there's a lot of depth of the position, right? I had mentioned inside and outside linebackers. It depends on uh, value. It depends on need for some of these teams. So we'll, we'll kind of see how Darian Butler tests out. Um, we know I, I know he's playing in the, the East-West Shrine Bowl. Uh, he's not one of the Sun Devils that's received an invite to uh, the Combine as of yet. Uh, to my knowledge. So as of right now, he's probably getting, uh, essentially getting ready for the, the Shrine Bowl and then his pro day. So we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. But uh, now we're going to take a, a quick break before we talk about the other two Sun Devils on this list. Uh, before that, we have to talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you guys a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started. From football to basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, talking about our last two positions here, Mel Kuyper, uh, again, has highlighted four different Sun Devils. We've already talked about the first two, one being Rashad White and Darian Butler. Now we're talking about two along the offensive line. Uh, I, I want to start with uh, the tackle position, Richie, only because I'm more interested in the other position afterwards. But uh, one of the, the big four positions um, in the NFL, right, we're talking about your signal caller, your cornerback, edge, and tackle, right? Kellen Deesh comes in essentially like a three-way tie for him. He labels it a 10A, 10B, 10C kind of player for Kellen Deesh. Uh, so his lowest-ranked player of all the Sun Devils, but tackle is such an important position, Richie. And there's a lot of great tackles in this draft class. It's a great year to – or sorry, no, great year to have a, a need for somebody to protect your blind side. Uh, would you mind go ahead and reading the list of all the tackles that uh, Kuiper has in front of him? Yeah, so we've got, in order, Evan Neal from Alabama, who I I think pound for pound is the best tackle in this class. I would tell you he could he could generate conversation for the number one overall pick, but to me that feels like a race between Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, who we're all like intimately familiar with. You have the second tackle here is, I believe it's pronounced, uh, Ikem Ikwanu. Yeah, the NC State yeah. kid, Charles Cross from Mississippi State, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, Nicholas petit Faree from Ohio State, David Falele from Minnesota, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. Excuse me very much on that. Uh, Max Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette, Abraham Lucas from Washington State, another guy we're very familiar with. And then Beach is tied with three guys including Jackson Kirkland from Washington, a guy, again, we're familiar with, and Andrew Stuber from Michigan. All the guys ahead of him, Connor, I really, really like. This is a really good tackle class. The fact that they have Deesh mentioned as highly as they do with these guys is a compliment to Deesh's ability to turn into something special. I think he's a really good like developmental guy who you just you kind of stash away and develop him a little bit and eventually he could he could turn into a starting caliber player for you. I think that there's a lot of tools there and a lot of it's just going to come down to refining his pass sets and his his placement and everything. But he does play with good leverage and he does have good hand placement. From there it's just a matter of refining everything. So, uh, Richie like if there are essentially 10 uh, or at least nine, nine and change guys ranked ahead of him. It seems like he's somewhat further down this list, but when all the tackles that are going into this dra uh, draft, like if you consider a guy being top 10 in his position, uh, now there are times where maybe the position group's not very good, so being top 10 doesn't necessarily mean anything. Take the quarterback class as an example, being a top 10 in this list, or, or almost any draft, you really don't have that much depth at the quarterback uh, position in the NFL, uh, at least in the draft. Now, that being said, uh, there's several guys on this list that I would say, as of today, really have a solid shot at that first round. Both Evan Neal, Ikem uh, Ekwanu, Charles Koss, and Trevor Penning all have a legit shot in the first round. Let's hypothetically say those guys go. That's almost half the list of the guys ahead of him going in the first round alone. It's really not that odd to think that uh, uh, Kellen Deesh could be like a, a fourth or fifth round pick. It's really not. But I, oh, yeah, I do want to echo your... I, I want to echo, echo your point of talking about him as more of a developmental kind of guy. 
Uh, I, I doubt he starts uh, short of injury wherever he goes, but a guy I definitely expect to get drafted. So at one of the most important positions, yes, he is towards the bottom of Mel Kuyper's list in this case, but it's such an important position. Everyone's always looking for offensive line depth, let alone tackle depth. Uh, so we'll see where Kellen Deesh can go. Hopefully he ends up along with a, a great offensive line coach and a great situation that can kind of just mold him into being a great NFL player. Now, perfect. let's talk about one of the more exciting options. Essentially, uh, Mel Kuyper's most highly ranked player for Sun Devils. Now, this does not technically mean this is the best Sun Devil entering this draft their position. It, it doesn't technically mean that. But now we're talking about centers. So, Richard, I'm going to read you the list of all the people that he has above Donovan West. Are you ready? All right. Hit me. Number one, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Dude's going to yeah. be a stud. Again, almost a lock for the first round, which is hard to do at the center position. So that speaks very highly of, of how good Linderbaum is going to be. Gets top 10 hype like that good. Yep. All next right. Who's in this next? List. Donovan West. He has him ranked number two. You tell me there's only one center ahead of our boy Donovan West. According to Mel Kuyper, this is not always how this works out. Uh, again, like there's going to be guys in this list that might play better than him. There's a chance if, if Mel Kuyper truly thinks this highly of Donovan West or other people think this highly of him, he could be the best center in this class. Now, I'm not saying he's better than Linderbaum. I'm not saying that at all. But if people really think he's got this kind of upside, that's awesome. I knew he was going to, he, he really had a good shot of getting drafted. I didn't think people thought this highly of them. So that was definitely a bit of a surprise to me when I read that Mel Kuyper thinks that he's the, the second best center in this class. Um, let, let's make a, let, let me just make a point here. Um, center is definitely a very important position, right? You, you need a great center. Um, Richie, we've seen in today's NFL or even in college, when you don't have a great center that can even just, uh, especially out of shotgun. Uh, where, which is kind of where the, the game's gone either at the college or NFL level. When you have a center snapping the ball 10 feet over a quarterback's head, that is terrible to watch, right? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Kellen Deesh get drafted in front of him just because of how important the tackle position is. So there, there's probably a, a big gap between both West and Linderbaum, and that's totally okay. But the fact that he's number two gives me a lot of hope for his career moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, he's a two-year starter, Connor. He's got experience all along the inside of the offensive line yep. and i think that his experience is going to end up going a long ways for a team that's looking for a guy to kind of plug and play like maybe you have your center right but you're able to you're you're able to actually move donovan west around like he reminds me in this like that yeah this might be a lazy comparison because i'm a ravens fan but he's like this bradley bozeman kind of chess piece that you could you could start him at guard but he might be more comfortable at center but he's capable of playing any of the three interior positions at a high enough level. And I think that there is that opportunity for him to secure the spot as the number two center in this class. If for no other reason than they're like after Tyler and Obama, it's everyone else. Like, and that's not no. a, this, that's not a, this to everyone. That's just straight up. Like Tyler Linderbaum is like all pro potential and everyone else is just a guy. Donovan West could make himself some serious money throughout this draft process. And a team could be looking like seriously a team could be look, looking on day two and they're like, man, we really need a center. Let's get this kid Donovan West because worst case scenario, we play him at guard. He's, he's that kind of talent where you just, you're going to find a way to get him onto the field. It's that philosophy of put your five best offensive linemen on your field. And I guarantee you that whatever your roster is, Donovan West is going to find a way to get into that top five and get on the field. 
Very excited for him. Maybe almost more than any other uh, Sun Devil. He does not play a sexy position in this league. That being said, uh, very seeing a guy now. like Mel Kuyper uh, just be this high on him makes me very excited. I, I'm very curious what other experts in uh, essentially like Mel Kuyper's field, uh, other draft analysts think of Donovan West. So uh, again, is not going to push for the number one center in this class uh, as far as draft day. It'd be very, very surprising if that were to happen. Uh, but could he end up being maybe a, a, a day two kind of pick? Here's hoping. So very, very exciting. Uh, we'll kind of see how that changes throughout the draft process. Uh, I, I think he is going to the Senior Bowl. I know Kellen Dishes. I remember that. Um, we have one other son that will go into the Senior Bowl for sure. Or not Senior Bowl. My apologies. The the Combine. Scouting Combine. Yes. Uh, I, I, I know Kellen say, Rashad will be the only Senior Bowl player. Yep. Uh, Kellen Dish, I know, is going. But we have a second Sun Devil. And I, I don't remember if that was Donovan West off the top of my head or not. But regardless, three months, a lot is going to change. We'll kind of see how these other opinions of other Sun Devils come out. But we saw this. And we knew we had to talk to you, uh, you guys about this. Now, we're already running a little bit late for today. We could talk about this for another hour easy just because we love the draft. And we love the Sun Devils in this draft. But thank you so much for making Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. Uh, again, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Cedrios. You can find Richie at Richie Brads with the Z36. Not all the way spelled out. Literally, Richie Brads, Z at the end, 36. Uh, we also have our Locked on Sun Devils Twitter page. That's at LO underscore Sun Devils. Uh, we also have content that comes out Monday through Friday, guys. Hit that subscribe button and never miss an episode. When it drops, you're going to get a notification saying Locked on Sun Devils has new content for you. So uh, never miss an episode, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app, Stitcher. Uh, wherever you get your podcast. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets. They're going to be your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thank you so much for watching us. Uh, the Locked on Sunless Podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.